Father, we come here to praise you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Lord, I pray now that as we go through the remainder of this service and we look into your word that you would open it up for us. Lord, may we learn from what we see in the life of this man, Jonah. And may we, Father, forever be changed because we have allowed your Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. We thank you again and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all be seated? While you're being seated, let me invite you to stay after the service today for the uh, fundraiser luncheon. If um, you don't want to bid on a cake or anything like that or bid on one of these students to help you, that's okay. Just come and eat lunch. It's seven bucks, um, and they've got a, a good meal plan. So just come and be a part of that. Don't go running out of here as soon as we're finished, okay? So be a part of that today. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if you were God? Now, let's think about this, okay? But, I mean, this is, you know, what would you do? I mean, I, I bet you, you know, I, I think of, of myself at least, there are people that um, we've been praying for for years to be healed. I mean, I'd heal them all if I was God. You know, I would heal people. I would uh, give people money that they've lost. I'd give them good jobs. I'd take care of them. I'd uh, bring back wayward children. I mean, all the things that we would think of that we would want to do. You know, what if God would allow you to be him for one day, to take his place and to do whatever he does? One of the things that would that would entail would be making this decision of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Now, <clears throat> don't press me on the theology of all this, okay? This is just an example. So bear with me. But what if God allowed you to make that decision based on what you thought about the person. In other words, does God give them the gospel and give them the opportunity to be saved, or does God prevent them from happening and not give them the gospel and maybe not ever let them hear? Um, so, so he brings before you people. Here are some examples, and you've, you've got to make the decision because you're God. So he brings before you, let's say, Hitler and well, he brings before you and he tells you and he reads off all of the crimes that Hitler's committed and all the atrocities. And six million Jews died in concentration camps and the gas chambers and not to mention the untold thousands of, of men and women who died in fighting, thrust the whole world into war and thumbs up or thumbs down. You know, you're going to send him to heaven, you're going to send him to hell. It's your choice. You know, God's not saying anything else except you make this decision. What would you do? What would you do with Bin Laden was brought up before you? And he said, okay, now you need to make a decision on this guy. He's the one that brought down the trade tower. Several thousand people died, and it was a terrible day in the history of the United States, and all because he hates the United States and wants to provoke or incite terror throughout the world. So it's your decision, heaven or hell, and I'll do whatever you say. You're God today. What would you do? What if he brought before you Billy Graham? Here's Billy Graham. He's been a preacher all of his life and, and untold thousands and thousands and millions of people have come to me and because of Billy Graham. So you tell me, what do I do? Thumbs up or thumbs down, heaven or hell? What is your choice? What would you do? He brings before you a child molester, a person who has taken advantage of children. And he says to you, you make this decision. Do they get to hear? Do they get to respond? Do they... Have a chance. Your decision. Here's a human trafficker. Now, this is the guy that has kidnapped young teenage girls and, and um, 
sent them throughout the world and uh, into the sex trade and horrible, horrible things have happened because of this man. So you tell me, what do I do? Now, there's your grandmother. You know your grandmother. You know the kind of person that she is or was. And so I'm leaving that up to you. You make the decision, heaven or hell, thumbs up or down for granny. What is it? It's your choice. Now, you know something? We all look at this and we think to ourselves, it would be fun to be God for one day. And get to do all the good things and bless people and heal people and help people. But then we, we don't stop to realize that there's a downside to that. Because there's the other side of the things that go on in making the decisions that have to do with life and death and eternity. And even though we think that it would be cool, I doubt that if any of us, given the opportunity, would be applying for that job simply for that reason. I would not want that job. I would not want to have to make those decisions. I would not have to want to bear the brunt of the responsibility for a person's eternal destiny in making that choice. You know something? Yet every day we try to play God. Every day we do this. Every day we look at things that are happening in our lives or in the lives of people that we love and we get angry, we get upset, and we blame God for the bad things that are happening. And we're saying to God, this isn't fair, it shouldn't be here, why are you doing this? Because I have done such and such, I am this kind of person, I don't deserve this. And every day we do this. And when God doesn't respond, when God doesn't do what we want, we get mad and angry at God because, in effect, we're saying to God, I want your job today. You see, I want to take it because I've got a better plan and what I think should happen, what I want to happen, it makes much more sense. And I would prefer that. You see, you see when we, we've been studying this book here of Jonah and looking at this man, when you get right down to it and you get to this last part of the book in chapter 4, you realize... This was Jonah's problem all along. This was Jonah's problem all along. He's trying to play God. See, God forgave this terrible, wicked city of Nineveh, this city that had performed atrocities beyond belief. The Assyrian Empire was known for child sacrifice. A mother would carry her child up the steps and in above the flames into this cauldron of fire which they worship their pagan gods and toss her baby in as an act of worship. A horrible, horrible place. And so God has sent Jonah to preach to Nineveh and he said, okay, in 40 days I'm going to destroy the city if you don't repent. In the Bibles we looked at last week, everybody in the city from the king on down repented in sackcloth and ashes. And God relented, the Bible said. He decided he would not bring judgment on these people now. And so we come to this passage that we're going to be looking at today. And I want you to look at this because we're going to learn some lessons. Lessons that I think God is trying to teach Jonah. Because you you need to understand there are two things at work here. God is dealing with the city of Nineveh. And God is also dealing with his prophet Jonah. And he's teaching Jonah some things that Jonah needs to learn and needs to take to heart. And these are the same things that you and I need to learn too. Because we struggle with this whether we realize it or not. We, we do. So let's look at the text and jump right in. God has relented. He has said he's not going to destroy Nineveh. We pick the story up now in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I want to look at this first. Let me read these three verses and we'll talk about them. He says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. 
The fact that God forgave them is what is saying. This seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now stop and look at this, okay? Jonah becomes angry at God because God did not destroy the city of Nineveh. And this is really strange. And if you don't read or did not know or wasn't aware of the fourth chapter of this book, you might read this story, be getting into it, and think to yourself, Jonah was afraid. You know, Jonah was terrified. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared of what might happen to him. No, that wasn't it at all. And he tells you right here, he said, this is the reason... That when I was in Israel, when you told me to go do this, this is the reason I got on board the ship and headed for Spain. Because I knew, and I tried to forestall this, I tried to put it off, I tried to to prevent it from happening because I knew what kind of a God you are. Isn't this bizarre? That Here I am, Jonah, I'm your prophet, I know you're gracious, loving, kind, forgiving, all these things, and I didn't want that to happen. And so my goal was to forestall that from happening. And I wanted to be God. I wanted to play God. I wanted you to do what I wanted because I know better. Now, you know, you've got to wonder, what in the world is going on? Why does Jonah hate the city of Nineveh so terribly bad? And if you know the history, you know that the Assyrian Empire ruled the day at this particular time in history. They were horribly wicked. They raided Israel on and off. And in probably 70 to 80 years from this point, they would destroy Israel. Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom would be destroyed by the Assyrian Empire, these very people. Now, we don't know whether Jonah knew that or not. There were some prophets prophesying about the same time that knew it and said it in the Bible. But we don't know if Jonah knew it, but I got a feeling he did. And that's part of the reason why he's so angry at God forgiving these people, because they don't deserve it. God, we're your people here. This is, you know, we're the descendants of Abraham. We're the ones that you love. We're the ones that you have blessed. And they are are, are the total opposite. And they don't deserve this. And I don't agree with this, Lord. Now, he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, But the Lord replied. Now, watch. This is a question he asks twice. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? See, this is the question, guys, we have to ask ourselves. Because whether it is wondering whether somebody that doesn't deserve it gets God's grace and mercy and we don't agree with that, or whether there's something else going on in life that we don't agree with, the question boils down to this. God says to you and me, do you have the right to be angry? And see, this is the one we've got to answer right here. Now, Jonah doesn't answer it here, but he goes on in the text, and it says in verse 5, that Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Now, look at what he's doing. God has already said, I am not going to do, I'm not going to bring judgment on the city. 
Jonah is so mad that he goes out to a hillside east of the city, overlooking the city, builds himself a lean-to of some kind to keep the sun off of his head. He says, I'm going to wait here because I know these people. They're not going to come through with what they told God they're going to do. God's going to get angry and God's going to destroy them. And I'm going to be here to see that happen. And that's what he was waiting on. He was waiting to see what God would do because he could not believe that God would not do something to these people. In verse 6 it says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Now, watch what's happening here, okay? The Bible says that Jonah went out, he built some sort of shelter, but it was inadequate. I don't know how long Jonah sat there. It doesn't tell us. Until it came to this point where he has already grown discomfort or or uncomfortable with the sun beating down on him. And and, and basically God says, here I'm going to give you an object lesson. And so overnight, the Bible tells us, God grew a plant over Jonah that shaded this whole area around him. And it kept him from uh, sweltering in the heat of the day. And the Bible tells us that Jonah was very happy about the plant. Now, I can just imagine. Here's old Jonah. God, I know that in the end you're going to destroy these people. And I am so happy that you agree with me and that you care about me and listen to what I'm saying. So much so that you have built or have grown at least shelter over me to keep me from sweltering in the heat while I sit here and wait on it. Lord, I'm about as happy as I can be now because if you do that for me and if you love me that much then I've got to believe you're going to come through for me and do what I've asked you to do concerning the city of Nineveh. And I know you're going to destroy them, so I'm going to sit here basking in the shade of this plant that you've given me and wait to let it happen. But there was a problem. In verse 7 it says this, But at dawn the next day, now watch this, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided, watch that phrase, God provided, God's doing this. God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Now, what's going on? And why is God doing this? What's the whole point of this? And here's what it boils down to, as you'll see here in a moment. That God provided the shelter to show Jonah that my grace on you is there and I'll take care of you. God took away the shelter the next day to prove to Jonah that my grace is always there for you even when circumstances change. And I love you either way and I'm devoted to you either way. It doesn't matter whether your head is covered or uncovered, whether you're in comfort or discomfort. My relationship to you hasn't changed because I'm God. And these are my decisions. And so, you know, he's going to ask him here and again in a moment, do you have the right to feel this way? So now Jonah was perfectly happy. It's amazing to me how self-centered this man is. If I can't have my way, if things can't work out the way that I want them to, in the way that I've prayed about, in the things that I'm asking for, if that can't happen, then just kill me and get it over with. Because I'm, I've about had it. 
And I don't want to live if this is the way it's going to be. So in verse 9, it says this. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Same question. I did this. Now the question is this. Is it right for you to be angry? Here's Jonah's response. He says, yeah, it is. It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. I have every right to be angry. You didn't do what I asked you to do. You gave me something and then took it away. What kind of God are you? And each time God keeps posing the question, do you really have a right to feel that way? Do you have a right to respond like that? Do you have a right to question me that way? And finally, Jonah admits. He said, yeah, I think I do. You can't give me something and then take it away. That's not right. It's not fair. You can't send me to preach the gospel or the message of repentance to these people. And when they do, you don't judge them. They deserve it. It's not fair. Then in verses 10 and 11, here's what God says. But the Lord said this. He said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it, nor did you make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. Now here's the correlation. He says, here's the whole point of this. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? What does he mean about the right hand from the left? He's basically saying, he said, they're spiritually ignorant. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the truth. You do, Jonah, but they don't. He said, now, Jonah, you tell me why you think I don't have the right to do this. I am God, and if I want to make the plant grow over you or take it away, if I want to judge these people or or give them grace and not judge them, I'm still God. Who do you think you are? And this is the question that Jonah has to deal with. And it's interesting because the text ends right there. I don't know what happened. Now, I've got to believe that Jonah came to his senses because somebody recorded this. Somebody told the story. Somebody followed through on it. Somebody recorded it, and we believe that Jonah did. So evidently, Jonah finally came around. But how long he sat there on that hill, I have no idea. Until he finally realized that God wasn't going to do what he wanted God to do. Now, guys, listen to me. You and I, you and I do the same thing. We might not admit it. We would never say it publicly. We would never say it out loud. But we do. I've got a couple of points here, a couple of lessons I want to pull out of this to to draw some application here to you and me. Number one is this. We do not have the right to alter God's plan. We do not have the right to alter God's plan, to stand in the way, to pray against it, to hope it doesn't happen, to try to change it, to get mad when it doesn't take place the way we want it to. We don't have the right to do that. And if you don't get anything else out of this passage, you need to understand, because God asks him several times, do you really think you have that right? You see, God told Jonah his plan. Jonah didn't like it, so Jonah wouldn't accept it. And here's something that came through in this, is God dealt with this nation of people, and this is important for you and me, that nobody, no one person deserves grace more than the next person. 
Do you understand this? No person deserves grace more than the next person. When I ask you at the beginning of this, to you be, the, you be God for a day, you make the decision. Hitler, bin Laden, rapists, you know, whatever. You decide who deserves God's grace. And even though I didn't ask for responses, you know that in your heart you're thinking this. That one, hell. That one, gone. That one has done too much. That one doesn't deserve it. If I had control, I would not let that person go into heaven. I would not let them respond to the gospel of grace. I would not even let them hear it. And you and I have to understand something. That when it comes to grace, grace is a gift. Now listen, this is very important, okay? God's grace to an individual or to a nation of people is a gift. You neither deserve it nor not deserve it. Deserving it has no bearing on this. You can't say to a person, you don't have the right to hear, you shouldn't hear, because you don't deserve to hear. That's not what God says. You cannot say to another individual, be it your grandmother or relative or you, to say to God, this person needs to hear, this person needs to be in heaven, this, needs, this person needs to, to have an opportunity to respond, because... They deserve it. No, they don't. Nobody either deserves or not deserves because grace is given freely as a gift. God makes that decision. And it is never based on who deserves it. Never. And when God forgave Nineveh, that's just pure grace. That's all it is, is pure grace. God giving a gift to those people. And God's prophet getting mad because he didn't like it. So when we get down to making judgment calls about people, your grandmother does not deserve the grace of God any more than Hitler does. Billy Graham does not deserve God's grace any more than a child molester. Because grace is not something you work for, earn, or it's deserved. It's a gift. You see, we make those decisions every day. When we're around people that are different from us, people that we don't like, people that have horrible backgrounds, people that are involved in things that we don't agree with, that we would never let our families associate with or be around us, we make judgments every day about who deserves and who doesn't deserve God's love. We look at people who sometimes have tattoos and uh, their language is colorful and they have lifestyles that we don't agree with and backgrounds that are atrocious and the list goes on and on and on. We're the ones that raise our eyebrows and think to ourselves, that person? you got to be kidding. How could God love that person? How could God forgive that person? Because there are people who press the limits to such an extreme that you and I in our hearts make judgment calls and say to ourselves, that person is beyond the grace of God. And if something hits you close to home, if somebody hurts you, how many times have we said to ourselves, may that person burn in hell because they have hurt me so deeply? And so to that, God says, do you really have the right to do that? You see, God's grace and compassion, or let's just say grace and compassion in general, they're not human virtues. They're not. I mean, that's not something that we generate as human beings. You know, somebody hurts me, I want revenge. That's my human nature. 
I want to get even. I want to hurt them back. I want to do something. I don't want to forgive. That forgiveness just doesn't come natural. And only God working in, in our hearts can, can bring about the forgiveness that God wants us to extend to other people. See, I can't love people the way that God wants me to, but God can through me. And this is the teaching of the New Testament, that when the Spirit of God comes in, then God changes you and allows you to love, allows you to forgive, allows you to be compassionate, because it's not going to come natural. And if God is doing that for me, then I have no right to hold that back. See, Jonah stated, he said, my goal was to prevent this from happening. We don't have the right to prevent that. We don't have the right to stand in the way. And so there have been times when God has said to you, you need to go talk to this person. Yeah, I know that person that's hurt you deeply, that person that maybe there's some personal contact or history with. God says you need to go talk to that person about Jesus Christ. You need to invite them to the church. And in that, you have said to yourself, I will not. Now, guys, last week I asked you a similar question at the beginning of the message. If God told you to go to China, would you go? About 20% of you raised your hands. If God told you to go to Russia, would you go? About 20%, probably the same people. If God told you to walk across the street and talk to your neighbor, how many of you would do it? If God told you to now, I'm not asking if you want, I said if God told you to do it, about 20% of you raised your hands. My question with all of these things that I pose to you, why wouldn't you? My gosh, why wouldn't you? And so don't tell me that you're not playing God, because you are. And every time you refuse to do something that in your heart you know you're called to do, you're playing God, and you're saying, I'm withholding the grace that you're going to extend to that person through me. Who do you struggle in your life? Who is the person or persons that you struggle with the most to love or to even accept and show compassion? Who is it? Is it an abusive spouse? Is it a murderer, a rapist, prisoners, addicts, people of different races, people of different backgrounds? What is it? Who is it? Where do you draw the line where you say to, to yourself that, hey, I can love people and extend God's grace until it gets to that point? That person's where I draw the line. Because you're, you're saying to yourself, they don't deserve it. And you've got to come to grips with this because this is what God is teaching Jonah. It's not a question of deserving because this is a gift. Nobody deserves or doesn't. All I'm asking you to do is to be the one that tells them. And every time we refuse, we play God. Every time. Do you deserve grace more than they do? You don't have, this, you don't have that right. You don't have the right to stand in the way. Now here's the second lesson in all this, okay? It's sort of a side issue, application, if you will, to this. Let's broaden the application. Jonah was saying these persons... I'm going to stand in the way of your will because I don't want them saved. There's another application here, which is broader, that, Lord, I don't agree with your will in other areas, and because of that, I'm angry. Here's the second point, and that is this. Accepting the will of God will be the hardest thing you ever have to do. 
Accepting the will of God will be the hardest thing that you ever have to do. Think about this, okay? If you are a mother and you give birth to a child who has Down syndrome and you're a Christian, do you not question God? Do you not at some point point your finger at God and say, how could you? How, how can this be your will? God couldn't have done this. Well, if God didn't do it, who did? You see, our theology is such that we think and somehow that, you know what, Satan does all these bad things, God does all the good things, God would never allow this to happen. Well, if God did not allow it to happen, then how did it happen? And somehow, and for some reason, in God's infinite wisdom and in his infinite plan, horrible things happen to good people. And we can't explain why. And don't even try to figure it out because we can't. But the question is, how are you going to respond? When a mother or a, a woman, a young woman, is trying to become a mother and trying to become pregnant and she's barren, and she never has a child. And it comes to a point in her life where she points her finger at God and says, how could you? I've done this. I've done that for you. I deserve for you to respond to me. I deserve for you to do better by me. I deserve something different. And nothing happens. What are you going to do with this relationship that you're in with the Lord? Do you get like Jonah and say, Lord, I just would rather die. When you lose a loved one, when you lose a child to an accident, when you lose a husband or a wife to disease, what do you do? Do you turn your face away from God and say, how could you? You have no right to do this. The list goes on and on. All of the horrible things that we look at that happen to us in life... And we'd never stand up in church and say it, but in our heart we think it. God, I deserve better. You shouldn't have done this. That was not fair. And to you, each and every one of us who, who do that, God says the same thing that he says to Jonah. Do you really have the right to question me? Do you have the right to be angry at me? And see, this is the hardest thing that anybody will ever ask you to do, and that is this, that you come to the point in your life where you can look at the horrible things that happen in life and be able to say to God, I don't understand it and I don't like it. But I know that you are in control, you are sovereign, you are God, and that you love me. And I will surrender to you. And I will learn from what you're teaching me and I will be a different person, but I will never, ever tell you that you are unfair because all that you have done for me is more than I deserve. And guys, when you get to that point in life, when you can get to that point in life, then you're on the road to growing. It's all about coming to the point where you can accept what God is doing without being angry. And what I'm telling you is this, that it is hard. It is hard. But this is what God was teaching his prophet Jonah, and this is what God is teaching you and me. Will you trust me? Stop trying to wrangle my job away and let me be God 
and you trust me and you surrender to me. And life will be different for you if you can do that. It really will. I want to leave you with two challenges very quickly, okay? Very, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but here they are. Just kind of summing things up. Remember, number one is this. Remember that you are not God. You may not agree with what happens, but you have to accept it. And that's the learning process. You have to learn to be okay with this. You still don't have to like it, okay? God isn't forcing you to like it. What God is saying is this. Don't hold this against me. Don't accuse me of being unfair. Stop trying to be God. You're not. Number two is this. That you begin to see people as God sees them. That you begin to see people as God sees them. That you've got to look past the way they look, their appearance. You've got to look past their language. You've got to look past the things that they do. You've got to look past all of the mistakes and the sinful things that people do. And you've got to start looking at people and seeing why God cares about them. And when God gives you a burden for these people, or whoever it may be, that you don't try to take and wrangle away God's job and that you don't try to make the decision on where you're going to go and what you're going to do because God says to go do it, then go do it. It's just that simple. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. If it was easy, we could do it without Him. But because we can't, we're dependent on Him. And that's a very important thing for you to remember. Grace is a gift. It's neither deserved nor undeserved. Let me read you this verse and we'll close. John chapter 3, verse 16. Watch the verse very carefully. For God so loved the world that He gave, as a gift, He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is a God of grace. God is a giving God. You and I are the mouthpieces. That's all we are. You and I tell people that. And we don't have the right to withhold it. And let me say this, that if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted the grace of God, if you've never put your trust in His Son, then do it right here because the grace is free. It pours out of the pages of Scripture. And straight from the heart of God. Will you believe it? Will you accept it? It's a gift. doesn't matter about your past. Because there's nothing that you have ever done that has put you in a category that says you no longer deserve it. There's nothing good that you could have ever done that puts you in a category where it says, hey, you deserve it. You neither deserve it nor undeserve it. It's just grace. Take it. Claim it. Believe it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Right here this morning, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, then here's the time to settle the issue. Just accept it. God did it for you. Believe it and be saved. That's how easy it is. Don't make it into something that it's not. For the rest of us, as we sit here this morning, we've got to answer this question. The same one he asked Jonah. Do you really have the right to stand in my way? You've got to answer that question. Stop playing God. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, 
Father, we are overwhelmed with the reality that, yeah, that's us. Right there in the pages of Scripture, we see us. We see all the times we point our finger at you and claim that you were unfair, that we don't deserve this, we deserve better. We've done all these things. Lord, we list all off as evidence that you need to be doing something better by us. God, forgive us. Forgive us. And Lord, when the things of life come our way, and for whatever reason we don't know, but they're there, and the pain and the suffering and the heartache, instead of getting mad and angry like Jonah did, may we sit down, Father, think this through, and realize that you are God. And the same God that said that he loved us, the same one that sent his son to die on a cross for us, is the same one that allowed this event to take place in my life. And Father, to that we surrender. We acknowledge that you are God. And Father, we praise you for what you're going to do through this ordeal. Yeah, we don't like it. And yeah, we keep praying that you would remove it. But Father, in the meantime, until you decide to do differently, help us to trust you. Help us, Lord, to surrender. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.